Follow me on Twitter at Pam, P-A-Y-O-W-N, and he's at Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E. <laughs> hey, bro, let's get into this thing. It's Damasi and Michael, just talking tech. And how long have you had it? Oh, man, 2011, maybe, 2012. Age is nice. Age yeah. is nice. Yeah. That's another reason. I, cause I read his article, and I was like, huh, you know what? That makes a lot more sense. Plus, I can yeah. stop fighting with this damn database because it's giving me fits. Well, I'm trying to figure out Empowering the Blind in your own pay.com because I have EmpoweringTheBlind.com that I've had since 2012. So that's an age domain that if I started using it could help push up articles on your own pay.com, which I got in 2014. Mm, I've been sort of thinking about a strategy. It, it, it sort of relates with domain names in general. Like one, I sort of have a problem. Uh, thanks, Mike, for introducing me to Namecheap because I looked at them <laughs> and hover with a lot of times uh, curve my habit of purchasing domain names because I look like, yeah, I'm not really finna spend $29 for that. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Oh, it's only so sale for 88 cents. Oh, yeah, that's no problem. That's just a dollar. Yeah, yeah. I got like 20 domains. Dollar after I can bees. <laughs> yeah. I got like 20 domains. So I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do next year when it's time to renew all this crap. One thing I've been thinking about, we had this conversation with uh, a good friend of ours, Desiree, uh, about branding and, and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, well, you know, I know I have an audience in blind people, you know, professional blind people or just super geeky, tinkering blind people uh, that want to learn about how to use some of the apps and some of the workflows and all this type of stuff that I'm doing. But I don't want to come out with a website slash business name that sort of paints me into a corner of only dealing with blind people. Right. Because I can still provide value to sighted people. One domain that I registered just because I thought it looked cool and I was thinking about, hey, eyes free. So eyes free dot solutions is a domain that I registered. Do not go there. It's not going to take you anywhere. I gonna give you some random generic page or something. You know what? I'm going to redirect it to Google. <laughs> Advertisements for name cheap. <laughs> yeah, re- yeah, actually, I'm going to uh, redirect know, it to an affiliate link. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Buy your own dot solutions domain. There uh, you go. <laughs> but she pointed out to me that on first look and her whole thing is, you know, five seconds to impress. And we'll drop a link to her website in the show notes. She's like really big on like that quick first instant impression. People are going to think yep. either if they're familiar with the term eyes free and how it's been generally used in the blind community that you're only, you know, targeting blind people. If they're not familiar with it, then, yeah, maybe that opens up the discussion for them to kind of look at your site and be like, oh, he's just mainly focused on keyboard and stuff, which is cool. Could you do shortcuts? So I scrapped that domain and actually never built that site. Uh, but what I've been thinking, which kind of relates to your your uh, thing about your own pay dot com versus uh, empowering the blind dot com is we both do screencasts. Right. And as soon as I figure out a reasonable solution for making this work, you know, so something that's fairly simple, not too complicated. I want to be able to record a screencast and have two versions of it, basically, or one version, uh, one version with voiceover in. Now, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to kind of investigate this a little bit to see if maybe I can add the voiceover track as sort of like a subtitle track or, or uh, alternative language track. And if that could be easily accessed by a blind person, that would give me one file to upload. Audio description. Yeah. Yeah. Try to try to use that channel 
for the actual voiceover track so that mm-hmm. a person that wants that turns it on. And if you're not a voiceover user, you don't have to deal with the screen reader chattering and only have to produce one file, right? I can upload one file to YouTube or Vimeo or whatever. The other alternative I thought about was if I can't do it that way and I have to release basically two different videos that are the same, one with voiceover and one with voiceover out, why not use that Eyes Free Solutions domain as where I host or post that video content for the blind people? And then you could use that for back backlinking to the content just in case a sighted person happens across the right yeah just yeah just cross link to both of them right so if you land on you know demasi.org at the moment and you see a video but you're blind like well hey if you want to check out the version of this with voiceover uh description you know click here and that takes you to eyes free solutions to the exact same video and then like i said do the same thing on eyes free solutions if a sighted person lands on that site and they don't want the voiceover it's distracting or whatever here click here and get the version without voiceover and of course without having to add a lot to your plate you could just leverage ifttt to add the links back to the articles for both of those respectively when you upload the video but if anyone knows how to add the audio description track to a video because i know it can be done i just don't know how to do it and i haven't i haven't jumped down that rabbit hole yet on google um (laughs) definitely reach out let us know at payone on twitter or at demasi absolutely so yeah man so we were talking all the day about our wordpress development just in general and i've kind of switched up my flow so yeah by the time this goes live demasi.org uh should be up barring any major problems should be back up rather moved over to a Linode uh, and built using uh, the methodology that I've sort of picked up and started this Google searching actually because I was like I really need to start using GitHub for my development even though I don't currently classify myself as a WordPress developer consider myself to be more of a WordPress implementer right like I can tinker with some code a little bit Uh, I know what plugins are good for what situations so I can implement your site I can't go create a custom site from scratch yet I don't call myself a WordPress developer but I felt like you know just about everything else I do is backed up in some sort of way right and I can easily redeploy right I got a clone of my hard drive so if this internal drive dies I can plug in the external drive boot up my ready to go everything is there need to figure out how to do that with wordpress right because restoring a site from a backup uh mike you've been there it can be a pain in the ass yes it can listen to some of our earlier earlier episodes we'll link to them in the show notes over your own pay.com slash dm28 yeah it's good to have a backup of your site uh but redeploying that backup is sometimes a problem so I stumbled across just an article uh, from a company that actually I use one of their free plugins that I might end up paying for, uh, Delicious Brains, which is just an interesting name for a company. Yeah. Now you have me intrigued now. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if that's why they named it that, right? Like, oh, you know, I wonder if they get a lot of zombie people over there too, right? Like, hey, I wanted to, oh, they talk about building WordPress sites and, and moving databases around. I don't care about that. <laughs> but the two plugins that they make, uh, and there are free versions of these, both available in the uh, WordPress plugin directory, and they have paid versions sold off their site. Uh, there's WP Migrate DB. Uh, and then the paid version is Migrate DB Pro. And the free version allows you to export your database from your website, but it does something super cool as well, which allows you to rewrite the URL. So it's supposed to uh, be able to intelligently search your 
MySQL database and replace links. So if you were moving your site from, you know, say Demasi.org to Demasi.com, which I decided not to do, you go in and that way when you download the file, it's already got those rewritten URLs and the rewritten uh, path. Uh, where your site's going to be stored on the new server, which is cool. The paid version actually allows you to push and pull your database. So you just connect two sites together and say, hey, I'm going to you know, push this database mm-hmm. from here to over there, uh, which is take you out of the middle. Yeah. So you don't have to deal with the whole importing the database to the new location. Yep. Uh, which is nice. The other plugin they have is what is it called? I'm gonna get the name of it wrong. Essentially, it is a uh, S3 offloader, so it will uh, automatically offload your media files and different assets uh, to a S3 bucket. So you upload using the normal WordPress uploader, and then it automatically takes that file, copies it over to a S3 bucket that you've chosen, uh, and then optionally will delete the original file from your server, so you're not taking up that space. Uh, on your server, which is again awesome, right? Uh, right. Especially for people who do, I actually don't do a lot of uploading through the WordPress interface, though. I do, but I upload to a different uh, service. I guess it'd be classified as a CDN because I upload directly to Libsyn, which delivers all the podcasts, but I do that uploading through WordPress dashboard because you can with their plugin. While looking at their site, because I was like, let me read, you know, start reading their blog because these guys develop WordPress sites, they make plugins, let's find out, you know, what kind of tips and tricks and information I can learn from them. I saw an article about uh, developing your WordPress site using Git. And I was like, oh, okay, this might be a thing. Let's check this out. Let's get into it. It's like, yeah, I got a GitHub account. And uh, I I learned a couple of things uh, starting out with this article. And I ended up way, way down a rabbit hole. But when I came out the other side, I think I came out for the best. It kind of shortened the version. First of all, just a piece of knowledge for anybody out there that was ignorant like I was. Git does not automatically, so G-I-T, Git, does not automatically equal GitHub. Uh, Mm -hmm. The reason that Git is synonymous with GitHub is, well, one, they got Git in the name of their product, too. Uh, Just very smart uh, marketing on their part. (laughs) A high-level overview of Git. Uh, and if I get this wrong, if I get anything terribly wrong, like it's, it's, it's just ass backwards, tweet at me. Uh, if I get some little minor details wrong, it's okay. Cause I, I'm going to drop a whole bunch of links into the show notes for people to actually go read up on this. Right. So don't tweet at me because I said, you know, I don't know, version control and you think of it as something else. Right. Let's not go there, down that hole. Do your own due diligent research before bitching. Yeah. <laughs> So Git basically is a version control system, and I have explained it to a couple of people this way. You think about what you have with uh, Mac OS now, where you start working on a file in TextEdit or, or ByWord, just about all of the, the document editing apps on the Mac, uh, and they're constantly saving versions of that app in the background, right? So you can go back and look at a previous version. So you make a few changes, you're like, crap, I forgot what I deleted out of there. I messed it up. Let me go back. Okay, that's version control, basically, because it's keeping a, a, a copy of each version of the file as you update it. Uh, okay. That's what Git does, but Git does this for a massive amount of files. It can be one file. It can be a thousand files. So, you know, consider the WordPress core uh, is keeping track of all the changes that are made in WordPress. Git also brings in... Uh, you know, sort of the track changes thing that you get with uh, Microsoft Office. I believe this is also available in uh, 
Mike, Google Docs. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, so you can see who made <laughs> changes Docs. to what, right? So if you're collaborating with somebody on a project uh, using Git, you can see that, you know, Michael made a change to this file on this date at this time. And, and you write commit messages. So you explain what you did before you commit. Uh, there's a lot of terminology to get into. Like I said, I'm going to drop some links into some articles that help me first get a good grasp on Git uh, and what all the different terms meant. Uh, so that I was using them correctly. And then to sort of explain why I want to, why I would want to use this with WordPress. In the long term, what I actually came out to is going to this site. It's called this site at roots.io. Me and Mike have talked before about there's a lot of cool shit at .io domains <laughs> for some reason. I have no idea why, but .io is a lot of cool stuff. Just, just yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think there's even a I think there's even a cool shit.io <laughs> website <laughs> that I found. But uh if I if I can find that again, I will uh definitely put it in the show notes. But Roots has taken this uh they they've basically borrowed, I guess is a good way to put it, from other development platforms that are not WordPress. So uh, other ways of developing uh applications because at its core, at its base, WordPress is an app. Uh so you're working yep. on an app. So, Yep. Uh, just like Twitter is an app. Uh, the web app is a Twitter is, is an app, right? So, I mean, it's just a web app. Uh, yep. but what they've done basically, they, they've taken a lot of practices from other, uh, good development strategies and done their best to implement those in WordPress development. Uh, definitely going to drop some links into some posts that explain their theory because I don't want to spend a whole lot of time trying to explain their theory. But here's essentially the overall high level view of their theory. You need to develop your site locally so when you're building a site or you're making changes to your site do it in a local development environment first make sure it works then push it to a staging environment which is which is optional some people don't choose to take that that extra step of a staging site uh and then from there you can push it to your production site which is your live site that's where your people are going that's where people are visiting that's where people are spending their money with you if that's what you're doing with your website that particular premise with developing for wordpress is not really anything new the no. the implementation that they have though is is using a virtual machine to host the exact so that your website your your local development environment uh, 100% or as close as possible matches what the production environment is going to be like. Uh, anybody that has used map or anything like that in the past, you got one environment on Mac OS, but when you push out to a server or you, you upload that site <laughs> to a server, that server is one of, first of all, it's not Mac OS. Unless you specifically find Mac hosting, most of the hosting that you're going to find from your shared hosting or from cloud hosting reference, one of those previous episodes, it's going to be Linux. And they have developed, uh, they, they'll put together a nice little package, uh, that they call Trellis. Uh, and Trellis allows you to basically using a system of a virtual machine, uh, typically hosted with virtual box, which I, uh, was a little wary about at first because I've heard the virtual box, yeah. uh, wasn't accessible. Uh, I still actually don't know if it's accessible, right? Cause I've never actually <laughs> interact with the, with the, with the graphical user interface of the GUI. I, I do everything from the command line just as if I was, you know, V, you know, SSHing into my Linode uh, huh. and running commands. So I still don't know if VirtualBox is accessible <laughs> or not. Okay, because I, I kind of I, I went down the rabbit hole of, well, I could do this in VirtualBox, but I don't know if it's accessible. So maybe I should look up and see if I can do this in VMware. And then I'm like, well, I'll just wait until Demasi and I talk about it because he's got to be doing something and maybe VirtualBox is accessible. So you don't know still. <laughs> I, I still don't know. One thing that's introduced in using the uh, Trellis way of developing is, um, or the Roots method using Trellis, uh, is 
again, not anything new to a lot of, you know, most developers out there that are doing stuff outside of WordPress uh, is the concept of using variable uh, files. So instead of committing and because you're using GitHub, right, first of all, you're using GitHub to commit your changes and all this stuff. You don't want to push your website up to get even if it's a private repository with passwords and et cetera uh, stored in uh, your your uh, config.php file, your wp-config.php file, which is generally where most of that stuff lives at, right? Your license keys for plugins and themes, your passwords for this, that, and other all lives in that file. Well, WordPress does not work without that file, so you have to have that file. What they introduce here is the concept of using variables in your environment. So you use a, a variable file and then they've, they've basically, the, my, the, the PHP file, the config.php file goes and looks in the right place for to get the information that it needs. So for your database password or for your root database user password or your admin password to get into the back end of your website. But that EMV file is never committed to your uh, Git repository. So as you're switching and it also allows you to be a little bit more lax with your passwords or or whatever uh, in your local environment versus what you do on your production server. And it gives you one place to have to change all your passwords. Right. Right. And that's the key thing. Right. And uh, it also uses uh, a PHP package manager to install WordPress and any plugins that are, you know, publicly available in the or themes that are publicly available in the WordPress repository there. So, again, if you've ever done anything with Ruby uh, or Node, you know, they've had they got package managers. Composer is a package manager for PHP. So, in technically, when you're committing your database, all you're committing is and all you have is a lot of files to say, hey, go here to get this thing when I run this command. Right. So you run composer install and there's a lock what they call a composer.json file that holds all the requirements for your environment. Right. So one of those requirements is WordPress. You know, a download right. that puts it in a puts it in the correct folder. Uh, any plugins that you add, you know, are are stored there. So require uh, the ConvertKit plugin, uh, for example. So regardless of where you deploy this, whether you do it on your local machine, whether you're doing it on a staging environment, whether you're doing it on your production site, the first time you get ready to launch that site, you run Composer install, boom, it goes out, pulls down all the stuff that you need to install, looks at your environment variable file and says, okay, I need to configure the database with this password, the database name is going to be this, blah, 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 so on. There you go. You have the exact same, you know, there's your environment. Now, if I was to invite Mike to my repo and say, Hey, Mike, I want you to collab with me on this. Mike goes in, Mike clones the repo uh, and Mike can do whatever he wants to do locally with his his passwords and his environment variable file. But if I say, Mike, hey, go check out this page at demasi.org slash checkout and tell me if you're seeing the same thing. He should see the exact same thing I'm seeing because we're both using the exact same environment. Uh, because the machine itself is being hosted as a virtual Linux box uh, that is going to exactly match the configuration of, you know, what you're going to get on the Linode server when it goes up. And that's why I think of the virtual Linux box is having your own local cloud server on your computer. So you're you're deploying your own Linode on your Mac so you can do all the testing right there, right? Right. So let me ask you this quick question. Do you have a file on your computer right now that everything for your WordPress environment is held in and you could send it to me. And if I installed VirtualBox, I could be seeing the same thing you're running or how would that work if you wanted to share it with someone? So you would install all the requirements and I would say, Mike, just go type in, uh, you know, get clone and the URL and you can pull down uh, my site 
Uh, actually, I think I would have to invite you to that uh, repo because it's actually private. It's not a public repo. So, yeah, I would have to add you, but that's not a problem. And then, you know, Mike, just go hit this and then download. It'll download everything that's currently in the repo, the most current version. And then you could run Vagrant up from inside the Trellis folder and you're good to go. You will see everything that I'm seeing right now, which uh, is another thing that sort of attracted this to me. Right. Because I'm like, OK, first of all. If I ever collaborate with somebody on a WordPress site, this is super easy, right? To, to, to get them where I'm at right now. Like all they got to do is basically go fill in the, the correct environment variables. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're done, right? No, no, you know, hey, install this app and then do this and then, you, yeah, <laughs> fix your settings just like this. No, you don't need to install that package, but it's no, we got the wrong version. That. Yeah. You got the wrong version of, uh, PHP. No, it's, Apache. It's, <laughs> Uh, so that's how you would get it. Now, there, there's one thing that I, I, I sort of neglected to mention. And, and again, like I said, we're going to link to a lot of stuff in the show notes. So if you really want to get into how this stuff works, uh, you, you, you can. There's, there's one thing I forgot to mention. Anybody that has dealt with servers for a lot of years, uh, and you have done stuff on servers for any, any length of time. You're probably familiar with the concept of scripts and running a bunch of scripts and building a script that does a bunch of things for you all at one time. There are things out there to make that work. I, did not ever use Chef, but I read a book about it. Uh, <laughs> that helps. But Ansible is sort of the latest, uh, you know, automation, you know, uh, server automation tool out there. Uh, that's what I'll call it. That's that's how I think of it as a server automation tool. And it's built around the concept of, of playbooks. And you essentially tell it what you want it to do based on these environment variables, based on, you know, if this fails, then do this. If this works, then continue to the next step. So all Trellis is really doing is kicking off a bunch of Ansible playbooks that go out and build your server. So essentially where, I, you know, the reason I, like I said, I started down this rabbit hole, but when I came out the other side, I felt good, right? Cause I'm like one, I can develop in a local environment. I'm not sprinkling a whole bunch of crap all over my machine. I can easily collaborate with somebody else and get them up and running with this fairly quickly. So it may or might want to, you know, collaborate on a project with a WordPress site. We could do this, right? I mean, might have to, you know, get to where I am with Git, which really ain't all that far. So <laughs> you'd be all right. Uh, I'm working but, my way there. I sent you some articles. We'll link to them in the show notes. <laughs> absolutely. Uh and, and and we could do this and we could do this relatively like none of the things that I have mentioned right now cost you any money. Uh, the only thing that's going to cost you money is where you host your website at. And it's going to have to be if you're going to use their trellis uh, build solution, you're going to have to have basically uh, a, a, a VPS or you're going to have to have a dedicated server. Right. You cannot do it on shared hosting simply because you can't install some of the stuff that you would need to install on your shared hosting uh, but server. VPSs are typically cheaper than shared hosting nowadays. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> five bucks for a Linode, man, and you're off and running. Or five dollars for DigitalOcean if you like them better. We did a conversation. We got a, we got a show about Linode and uh, VPSs uh, in general, so we'll link to that in the show notes. You can hear us kind of geek out on it a little bit because uh, <laughs> it, it is fun and it is so amazing considering you know what servers used to cost you to have basically a dedicated box. Now, there is one other uh, solution and Mike asked me about this yesterday. Uh, Mike asked, was I using the WordPress beginner and we're going to link to those guys. It's a great website. If you're awesome starting to website. Learn. Yeah, love those guys over there. Uh, if I was using their method for building a staging site and I was like, I don't know because I've never heard of what their <laughs> you know, suggestions are. So let me go and read this article <laughs> and then I'll tell you. And my answer to Mike was kind of, sort of, 
because there's also another a, another project that the uh, the folks over at Roots have called Bedrock, and that's basically just the foundation for a WordPress site. So it's a part of the overall Trellis build, uh, but take out all of the the Ansible vagrant uh stuff and you just you're left with what they have built and what they consider to be the best practices for a wordpress site so the way the bedrock works is is your typical wordpress install well it's not your typical wordpress install but it's wordpress it's not anything complicated you're still using composer to manage your your php stuff so you're still using composer uh to install wordpress to install plugins to install themes uh, if you have any custom plugins or or uh paid themes you know you have to figure out how to get those in there generally just download them and put them in the appropriate folder so if it's a theme put it in the theme folder uh and it'll work but they change sort of the the, the file structure of the WordPress, the WordPress file structure. So you start out with your site folder. That's just going to be site. That, that's your folder that's going to contain all of your WordPress stuff. Inside of that folder, you're going to have your composer uh, file that tells composer all the stuff that you need to install, all the stuff that's required. So uh, outside of WordPress, your plugins, etc. cetera. Uh, you're going to have, and, and there's some other files in there. Uh, again, I'm going to link to some stuff that kind of explain all the different pieces, but the main pieces are your composer, your composer files that tell uh, composer what to install, uh, what you need for WordPress. You have a web folder, which contains the stuff that we generally are used to seeing inside of a word. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a word, web folder. I'm sorry. I had to go look. Uh, so a web folder that contains all of the actual WordPress files uh, uh, that, that we're used to seeing. So inside that folder, you have an app folder that contains your themes, your plugins and your uploads. Uh, you have a WP folder that actually contains the WordPress core files uh, or that's where they'll get installed when you run Composer install. And then you have your WP uh config.php file there that doesn't do anything because all it does is tell WordPress where to go get the actual information that it needs to uh, run itself right there's actually not any unsealable or you know private information held in that file like it like it generally is uh, so that's where all the WordPress stuff lives is inside this web folder also in your main site folder you have a uh, config folder and this holds all of the uh, files where you're going to actually store the information so you know where where, where your uh, PHP commands live where all that stuff lives at that you would normally see in the wpconfig.php file uh, and, and the nice thing about this structure uh is that one, the only folder that's actually publicly available on the web, so the only folder that people can get to by visiting your website or trying to dig into your server is going to be that web folder. So all of your private information, passwords, you know, license keys, etc., are stored in a uh, config folder that is not publicly available. Uh, it, it does not have permission to be, nobody has permission to read this folder outside of uh, somebody that's logged into your server. They're logged into your server. You got much bigger problems. <laughs> So this bedrock structure for a website, uh, this can actually be deployed on a shared host. Uh, you have several different options for getting it there. My current option right now or what I'm going to do when I actually deploy the site that I've been working on locally that has to go up on a shared host. Uh, I'm going to initially try just copying the files over there and see what happens. Right. If it breaks something, then OK, I know that's not the way to go with that. So I'll report back, follow up, uh, post on the website or something uh, about that. I'll, I'll either uh, we'll either talk about it again later on in another episode uh, or I'll write out, you know, what happened over on the and uh, Michael 
full length back to it and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so you'll you'll find out what happens. You know if that broke it or if it worked. So that that's kind of been my experiment with with trying to become one a better using better practices when developing for WordPress. And again, I'm still learning my way through this process. And that's important to realize for anyone is all of this is a learning process. Right. We'll talk about it in the next episode about what I've learned throughout producing my WordPress course, because as I've realized, I obviously don't know everything about WordPress. Neither does Demasi and you probably don't either listening to this. So realize that if you're testing stuff out, you have a method or a methodology to uh, recovering from any mistakes that you end up running into or anything that you break, then you can you can test things out and see what works for you and then commit them to the web. And that's why I wanted to pick Demasi's brain about this today. So I appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for listening <laughs> in. Hopefully you found some valuable uh, information or you're just fascinated to come along on this journey. Uh, as we mentioned, we'll be reporting back about what we find out. Until then. You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content. And to contact us today. We're eager to get listeners to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content. And to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast. Yourownpay.com.